we haven't addressed sexual urges and sexuality as just a part of our biology with with enough grace you know mm. there hasn't been enough grace there like this well is said. a part of your biology this is how you are wired as a human being it's how the world continues on right it's it's so crazy that you can look at a baby and know that like this innocent poor baby came from an act that's being completely demonized right it's mm. almost a conflict mm. like it's like this precious <laughs> thing of life well came said. from like an activity that we have completely demonized. So in your mind as a kid, and I think that like in certain cases, cultures and religions have um, tried to try to hide this from young people, you know, and this is what I've been really scared about too. We've had this conversation. You're like, Hey, I want to talk about porn. I want to talk about this. And I've been like, uh, bro, I don't know, man. I don't know about how I feel about turning on a microphone and being a voice, knowing my culture knowing my religion and knowing all of these things. But that's kind of the problem. That is the problem. Welcome back. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Modern Masculinity Podcast, a podcast where we unpack all things men, masculinity, and the modern masculinity. I'm your co-host, CK, a.k.a. Coach Kyle. What's going on, my people? It's your boy Anwar Ahmed, aka A Squared. And today we have a very fascinating conversation for you in regards to masculinity and our experiences as men. Uh, the today's topic has to do with speaking with your dick, having sexual impulses. What do we do with them? Why can't we not control them as well as we honestly, in a lot of cases, should control? But before we get into that very fascinating and interesting conversation, you always know how we start this baby. It's Moochack. Hey, yo, what it do, what it do, baby? Coach Kyle, man, how you doing today? What's going on, Let's my go. man? Let's go. What's going on, everyone? Moochack, Moochack from Coach Kyle today. You know, I woke up on short sleep. I woke up on short sleep, so I was irritated this morning. I could, You know what? I was really irritated because I work part-time bartending. For those that don't know, I, I am a relationship coach, and then I also am still in the restaurant industry. And I worked last night, and a byproduct of working at a restaurant is that sometimes it enters into your dreams. And we all know a server nightmare. If you've been in the industry, you know a server nightmare where you're crashing, you can't seem to catch up, you're trying so damn hard, but it never works. I had a bartender nightmare where I was bartending, and I kept making drinks wrong. I over and over, and it was one drink. I, it, honestly, one of them was a shot. I was making a shot and for some reason in the dream, I was pouring the shot and it was just, it was gin and something else. And I was pouring the shot and it was coming out red, like a deep red every time. And my manager comes up to me and he's like, what is this? I'm like, this is the shot you ordered. And he's like, why is it red? I'm like, I don't know. It just is. <laughs> and he's like, it's just gin. You're not supposed to be red. So I'm trying to figure out why it's not, why it's red. And I'm looking at the bottle. Like it's, it's clear. He's like, well, then I don't know. And so I make another one. It's red again. And I'm like, bro, how is this thing red? And he's like, maybe it's the bottle as if it's coming out of the bottle red, but in the bottle, it's white. I don't know. I found out that it was the thing I was pouring in the little jigger. There was red in there. So then I'm finding a new jigger somewhere. And then I couldn't get a syrup. Dude, it was a disaster. It was a disaster. And I couldn't get out those things you can't get out of. So then I woke up irritated. I, 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 you know, I woke up irritated because of this bartender nightmare. 
No, right. I mean, that strikes a chord. I hate restaurant <laughs> nightmares, man. It's like, why do why do I care about that ketchup that I forgot? God like, it's damn. you wake up, you're like, damn it, table three hundred three didn't know ketchup. I didn't get him the ketchup. Uh, yeah, no, those. I think the the worst ones though are if you've ever if you've ever bartended, the worst ones are the the machine, the chits not stopping because you actually feel like you're physically working like and then you mm-hmm. wake up and you just did another shift you're like what the hell and that noise that exactly like that, it that machine printing noise oh man i used to get the worst the mm-hmm. worst versions of that just yelling yeah. at people like all the things i would have wanted to say to a server <laughs> get it all out in my dreams and it's like you wake up and you're hot you're like whoa yeah well <laughs> too passionate for this this early in the morning god damn it Oh, yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. And yeah, it's the worst. You feel like you worked another shift. It's like the separation is tough because you went to work and you were there so late. So you just jump into sleep and mm-hmm. it's like your brain just can't seem to disconnect. Even if you try, yeah. sometimes I would watch a show or something that was completely distracting and still have a bartender nightmare, still have a dream. Like I was working a shift. Sometimes I just have dreams that I'm just working the shift. I'm not crashing. I'm not doing, I'm just working. Like, like the absurdity behind it. So anyway, like all the other things that I'm thinking about, you choose this. this yeah, this, come on. This the environment you want to bring me in. You can, can give me a different kind of sign in there. Come on. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so anyways, it influenced my morning a bit. So it took me a bit to get up and, and navigate the day. Even in this conversation, uh, prepping for it, I could feel my body slowly kind of getting back into the rhythm of the day and back into uh, a, uh, a healthy mindset, I guess, because I could feel myself really thinking some, some negative thoughts. That's a repercussion of waking up that day, right? Is you just seem to jump to the negativity. You jump to the problems. You don't jump to the possibility. So it's a really interesting shift. So anyways, it was a bit of a tougher morning right now. How do I feel in this moment? I definitely feel much more liberated from that experience, but it was a, a tough morning. And thankfully, uh, my partner had to go to a meeting this morning, so I was able to process most of it by myself. However, it's almost impossible for me to not, uh, I guess, impact her experience by my irritation and being in the same household. So uh, there was a bit of a navigation there this morning. So it's, it's already been a bit of a day. It's already been a bit of a day, but I'm, I feel good now. And I feel excited for the rest of the day and for this conversation. Sounds, it sounds like it's been, been a morning, my guy. Um, <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, I, I often found like, you know, just to kind of go back a little bit to, to your point, I found that um, when I go into like one moment to another moment without a transition, they seem to bleed together a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So like, you know, going straight from work right home trying to sleep right away um those would be the times where i really got bad into the sleep and things like that but like i feel like having that separation having like you know a little bit of a different i used to like walk home i used to find that walk home so liberating mm-hmm. I'd like really be so quiet out i would almost like i'd almost like let it go you know like whatever from the shift um yeah. let it go i'd unpack it and by the time i got home i'd be like i'm over that day you know i'm over that shift um mm-hmm. you can kind of actually get back into maybe some restful sleep but uh my mood my mood how am i doing i'm doing good i'm doing i'm doing really good i think that um what are some changes that happened daylight savings wow didn't notice how much that would make a difference god damn Dude, that thing crushed me for those that are not in canada uh so i think the states has it too i don't think everybody does though we have daylight savings where we in the spring spring forward so we move the clocks a full hour forward and then in the fall, we, we fall back. So we move the clocks an hour back to conserve our sunlight. 
is from what I gather, literally daylight savings. Mm-hmm. Well, well, we're apparently voting on getting rid of it soon, but um, it was kind of you're, when you're on this like internal clock, like I'd be working and waiting. I'd be looking at my window and it gets dark at a certain time and my brain goes, it must be around five o'clock, like whatever. Mm-hmm. Um this week though, my time, my body clock was way off. Like I, I'd be like working, I'd be like, oh, it's still light out. I'd look at the clock at 6.30. I'm like, whoa, mm. I'm walking to the gym. There's still light out at the, like, like, so usually if it's still light out and I'm walking to the gym, it's around five, like mm. at the earliest, you know, and the sun is dropping. So to be at the gym at eight, then you come home an hour later. Now it's 10. I'm like, whoa, man, I need to recalibrate everything here. This is all, I'm all off. Um, but yeah, this morning I felt good. Like, you know, I think, I think that, you know, I'm excited for this conversation. I'm excited for the, the platform and all the conversations that we have coming up. Um, definitely have uh, going to a, uh, a wedding in Mexico in about a week here. So um, in terms of like, you know, how I'm feeling about that, like I'm kind of feeling a little bit anxious um, just because there's a lot of work that needs to be done before I go on that trip. And I've been telling my friends, it's like the last thing I want to do is be in two places at once, which is like an art that I feel like we get really used to here, uh, you know, is where you're physically somewhere, but you're mentally in a different place. Mm-hmm. Um, and it being, you know, somebody's wedding, it being a pivotal moment of your friend's life. It's like, you don't want to be in two places at once. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I want to try to be as present as possible. So I'm really trying to focus on like, what can I do now to make sure that I can be as present as possible. And, when I find myself in those spaces, when I'm there, where I'm not present, what can I do to make sure that I rein, rein it in and, you know, try to, you know, control the, the to the best of my ability, my, my presence. Um, mm. And so that's, that's what I'm kind of foreshadowing and forth, like, you know, thinking about. Um, but yeah, in this moment, I feel really good. I'm, I'm you know, spring is here. Um, summer is upon us. Um, you know, all that work, all those, all those, all those hours in the gym, you know, you know, summer bodies are built in the winter. It's time is coming. Clock's ticking. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, overall I feel pretty good. Nice. Do you find yourself having a little PTSD from your last experience in Mexico? Like, a like, Oh, oof, like you got to extra protect because they don't want to get dung fever again. You have a little bit of that or is it not really there? Um, no, I mean, maybe I should have a little bit more of that, but <laughs> I kind of, I, I kind of feel like, I don't know. I've never been one of those people who thinks that like, you know, if you have like, it's almost kind of like if you had a bad game, you're not gonna have a bad game next game. You know, like that's how I kind of Fair. feel about it. Like I never try to think of things as like, oh, you played. If I dwell on having a bad game, now the next time I'm I'm not focused on having a good game. I'm thinking about having a not having a bad game, and that's mm-hmm. not. I just don't think my brain works that way. I almost think of it as like you had COVID, you had dengue fever. Like what are the odds that happens to you again? It's almost right. kind of like I already did that, been there, done that. I'm not worried about it now. I already got it, but which is. I don't know, I guess maybe an optimistic point of view, but like, I th- yeah, maybe I should be more worried. Like you already had it. So maybe get insurance <laughs> this time. Um, but I got insurance on this trip. So, you know, nice. um, we'll see. Nice. Hopefully, hopefully I don't got to deal with that, uh, that twice. I'd just be very unlucky. Yeah. Fair, fair, fair. No, I like that thinking. I don't think that it's too positive at all. I think that it's just embracing the possibility that it's not going to happen instead of worrying. And I think cause the worries can make your body actually call it in, right. The, the stress of it all can really make it worse. So you're coming in. And I like that analogy. Like, why would I worry about last game that I didn't play well or I lost when I'm here in this game? Now, why don't I just focus on winning this game? Like, that would be the better scenario and playing well now instead of not worrying about not playing well. It's just shift of the mindset. So I like that. That's good.
so with today's conversation, let's get into it. Let's let's just jump in because I know for me, like I'm like, okay, I'm a little bit, I can feel a little bit anxiousness. We haven't really talked about these kinds of things in the podcast yet. You know, we're 50 plus episodes in and there has been some conversations that we've been navigating and learning and just getting, I guess, in a sense, at least for me, the comfortability to speak about these things in a very open and honest and vulnerable way on the podcast. So I think we're finally there. We're getting into it. And this is going to lead into another great podcast episode coming up, uh, which you guys will really, really enjoy. So like we always say, every conversation starts with curiosity. So today we begin with the question, why do I struggle to control myself when my sexual urges show up as a man? I'm going to repeat the question and then we're going to dive into the reasons and concepts behind this. But why do I, as a man, struggle to control myself when my sexual urges show up. This is a very grand conversation and we gather that. And there's hours and hours, days maybe, of conversation that could happen around this because I think for a lot of people, it is different. I think that a lot of people approach their own sexual impulses in their own ways. And what we have noticed, at least from what we see, what we hear about, there is a generalized experience with this is that men do struggle to control their sexual impulses. And I won't lie, I've definitely been there. I've been there many times in my life where I have felt this feeling in my body, this, uh, what we called it earlier, is like this urge, this desire, essentially what we're obviously calling out here is, is feeling horny. And this sexual impulse that we feel in us there is almost what feels like a heightened experience. And maybe it's due to testosterone levels. I'm not sure, just gen in general in men, but it seems as if it's a full body takeover. You know, like it just feels like it's not just in that region of my body. It's like there's this tenseness now through my arms. Uh, my mind is completely taken over. Like there's this, I can't think of anything else except this. And pulling out of it doesn't really seem to be possible. So, what I realize, I guess, or what I'm learning about this is, is that uh, I think that all of that for me has become demonized, at least. Uh, I think that that experience I've demonized. So I also try to pull out that way. I don't know. It's very complicated. L let me ask you this question. Um, do you find yourself or when was the last time you found yourself struggling to control yourself with your sexual urges? It doesn't mean you act on it necessarily, but when you just noticed, you're like, whoa, what's happening here? So I think it happens often for men. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, let's go backwards a little bit. I think that, yes, it does happen often for men. And I think that, you know, dealing with those temptations can sometimes feel like the, you know, you're on a diet and, you know, you're being tempted by burgers and fries and pizza. You know, it's, it's you know, you're trying to stay focused on what you need to be focused on, but there's all this temptation in the world, right? Like you're, you know, maybe what you're eating, you're not enjoying. And, you know, you see something that, you know, can give you this instant gratification, but you're going to feel like shit after. Mm. Um, but I think the real kind of, you know, going back a little bit is, I think we've kind of, I, I like what you said there with the demonizing thing. Like, I think, um, you know, we haven't addressed sexual urges and sexuality as just a part of our biology with, with enough grace, you know, mm. there hasn't been enough grace there. Like this awesome. is a part of your biology. This is how you are wired as a human being. It's how the world continues on. Right. It's, it's so crazy that you can look at a baby and know that like this innocent poor baby came from an act that's being completely demonized. Right. It's mm. almost a conflict. Mm. Like it's like this precious <laughs> thing of life well, came said. from 
like an activity that we have completely demonized. So in your mind as a kid, and I think that like in certain cases, cultures and religions have um, tried to try to hide this from young people, you know, and this is what I've been really scared about too. We've had this conversation. You're like, Hey, I want to talk about porn. I want to talk about this. And I've been like, uh, bro, I don't know, man. I don't know about how I feel about turning on a microphone and being a voice, knowing my culture knowing my religion and knowing all of these things. But that's mm. kind of the problem. That is the problem, you know, is the fact that we're acting as if you don't have a bio. Like, so now what I'm going to start talking to my daddy, be like, Hey, remember that thing that we just never addressed? Uh, well, now I'm here and like, mm. what's up? You know what I mean? It's a real thing. I can't control it. And it's, it's the same thing about like, you know, would you rather your kids tell you the truth or would you rather them like lie to you and be doing crazy things behind your back? And it's like, mm. I think that that tipping point, like the ideology of how our parents may have gone about it. I'm like, that strategy might not work anymore because of uh, the internet. Like, mm -hmm. It's you versus now. So mm -hmm. this whole pretend you don't know it exists. I don't know how that strategy is going to plan out, play out now, because that was cool before. I decided out of mind was working for you before, because it was mm -hmm. like, if you could control your kid's environment, you could pretty much control them neighborhood wise. Like if you just like plop them down, you're like, all right, I kind of have a kind of have a good gauge on your social influence circle. You don't got a gauge no more. Like mm -hmm. that, that's not a thing. So let's stop pretending like we don't have these bio biological urges. I think that, that contributes to the problem sometimes is pretending it doesn't exist, which makes it, you know, almost double down in terms of kind of your curiosity to figure out what it is, mm -hmm. you know? And unfortunately the closest things to grab, the closest things to reach for with that curiosity are some of the worst things for you. A hundred percent. Addiction wise, like, you know, habit wise, the, the way it rewires your brain. And we're going to dive into some of the some of the reasons and how that actually happens. But I think first and foremost, the biggest issue here is the fact that, you know, we've demonized it. It kind of I think as a strategy for parents worked before um, our, our, our parents were able to really kind of hide that from us. Um, yeah, and, well, you, you could hide it. You could hide it because there was an access to it. Right. Like there wasn't there wasn't an opportunity like we have had in our generation and now every generation to come to have access to watching sex happen, to, to being able to say, OK, I, I feel this urge in my body and now I need, quote, quote, and that's going to be a big conversation in here. I need a stimulus. I need something outside of myself to accomplish this. Uh, and that's the unfortunate part about the the part porn plays, which we'll get into is it's an external stimulus. And there's so much to learn from that experience as men. No, definitely. I, I definitely agree with that. And um, even for me, like this is this is an experience that I'm trying to embrace, you know, this idea of like being more open about it and being able to kind of talk about it. Um, because I, I find myself guilty, uh, of, of that idea of like, oh, if you just hide it, you know, maybe they won't recognize it or they won't, they won't, they won't notice it. But, um, I'll share a story here. I had a, a really unique eye-opening experience and it follows me. Um, and this is kind of the, the experience that I've always kind of used as my, I probably got to figure out a different way for this, you know, same way, like, you know, when we were younger, traditional African household, you know, there was a little bit of, you know, you know don't do that quick smack across the face. You know, there was, there was, there was the, like the abuse in that way. Right. Like, so there was the, you know, the disciplinary old school type of like, you know, um, tough love type of, you know, but as a kid growing up now, that's not something I want to do with my kids. Right. So we got to evolve as generation. So it's like, how can I take the, what they were trying to get, teach this kid something. Mm -hmm. Okay. How can I remove that action and improve it with something else? Right. So as that kind of lives in my mind, this experience I'm about to share also lives in my mind of it was it's trying to unpackage this for me right and 
I remember being a, 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 a program manager for um, a university where they have all these, you know, it's summer camp for kids, essentially. Um, I used to work with kids and things like that. And I remember at a lunch hour, uh, there was these two boys kind of sitting in the far corner and I'm just doing my rounds, making sure everyone's eating their lunch and, you know, everyone, there's, everyone's being good. And I go to the back corner and I, I'm, I'm walking up towards these two kids. There may be six, there may be like, sorry, eight and nine years old. Um, and I'm walking up to them and they have no idea I'm coming. Like they are so, they are so infatuated with whatever they're watching. They don't even see me pulling up. So I get closer, I get closer, I get closer. And I'm on top of them now looking down and I'm looking at their iPod touch. So let's, let's process this. This is an iPod touch. This is not even a phone. This is not an iPad. This is an iPod touch. Classic. With a university Wi-Fi connection. Um, and there we are. Boom, but a bang. Curiosity meets the world of internet. And next thing you know, these kids are, they're like nine. And so I literally just go, gentlemen, pass, can I, can I have that? And they hand it to me and I say, come with me and take them to the office. And I remember that whole walk. I wasn't even thinking about, it was like, I was not even thinking about these kids or I wasn't even thinking about, I just was like, what world do we live in now? Mm. What world do we live in now? Cause that's scary to me. These kids are nine. That was not that, that was too easy. Mm-hmm. And I immediately kind of, you know, I jumped into like future Anwar parent mode vibes with the same thing with that. It was like, whoa, I don't know how, how the hell am I going to navigate this one? You know, this one is, you could do the best you can and out of sight out of mind is 100% not going to work this time. Mm -hmm. And so it was one of those ones for me where it was a very eye-opening experience where it's like, okay, we're going to have to have this conversation. Um, and I got to figure out what that conversation looks like and at what age and like, you know, navigate those things, but I decided mine's not going to work. hundred percent. And, you know, I really like that story. I think that that's so prevalent and you honestly, you could tell that story on stage, you know, to, to thousands of people, because I think that it does just bring to light the, the truth of it all, the truth of where we're at. And how long ago was that for you? that's a great point. That would have been like 20, that would have been like 2015. Yeah. So that's seven years ago that that experience happened. So where, where Which are we explains now? why it was an iPod touch. Which is, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. A hundred percent. And so, you know, 2022 now and beyond access to everything at all times has already evolved, um, you know, a thousandfold in the last seven years, at least if not more. And so, it brings to the light what happened. And it's so interesting to me, this idea of out of sight, out of mind. There's a huge hypocrisy, I think, happening that a lot of people don't realize is that our parents in some way, whether it was the man or the or the woman or whoever was our parental upbringing, majority of my experience, at least, I don't want to speak to the generalized public, but uh, from what I gather and understand, there was porn being watched by my uh primary caregivers, the men in my life, they were, there was some sort of knowing, like, I remember, I think it was a, back then it was a, a rental that you could do on like Shaw TV or something. You know, there was always those channels you could just go to and find them. And there was rentals available. And I knew one time that there was a rental that was made. Like I went to the rentals and there, there it was, there was a, a, a porn movie. And so I knew it was being watched, but then the hypocrisy of it all was that I was getting in trouble for 
watching porn on the, on the computer because somehow I would have been caught. So I say somehow it was dial up internet. It's easy to find everything at that point. It's no, no, uh, uh, no cookies or whatever. No, no way to hide it back in that day. But I just find that it was something that was allowed as an adult, right? The, the, the separation between adult and child, I find it is incredibly fascinating, but it was a fine for him. But me being a young boy growing up, huge impulses, like very much feeling this vibe, this urge, and to then be disciplined for doing exactly what you do, uh, I think is incredibly inaccurate. I think, I think that, that for me, that, was, that just made me want to do it more. I knew you were doing it. So that means as an adult, you could do it. But now I'm a kid or whatever age I was. And you're telling me I can't, so I'm going to. Like you're taking it away, I'm going to. And at no point was there ever, hey, this is what this is. Let's talk about this. Hey, how about I educate you on what's really going on behind that screen? Mm-hmm. Hey, how about I educate you on the, the repercussions of being so in-depth into this experience, being so desired to have this external impulse? Let me educate you about that. Now, that's not their fault because they didn't have the information either. But that's the evolution of this process for me is out of sight, out of mind won't work. And if that space comes into my space as a a child comes in and wants to watch porn and ends up watching porn, for me, it's less about like, I need to discipline you and you should never, ever watch that again. It's you're going to find it whether I want you to or not. There's nothing I can do about that. But what I can do is at least discuss with you what's happening here and what it, what it did for me you know, like from what we'll talk about in here, how it impacted my life and what I've learned about it and what they can learn about it and what is not necessarily great about it, which is a lot of the things. And can I direct them to a safer space that maybe sure it's still similar in the sense of being porn. It's still sex on a screen, but it's less of the uh, unknown demoralization and the poor treatment and all of the really terrible things that are happening behind that screen. Uh, it's less that, and it's more, here's a safe space to do. So if you really feel the need to, and if you really want to go somewhere, like where's the educational piece here, you mm-hmm. know, that's what I think is really missing. And that speaks to why for me, for example, the sexual impulse thing was really hard to navigate growing up. It was really difficult to navigate. I grew up a dial up, swear to God, as soon as dial up happened, it was like, boom, all of a sudden I could fire that thing up, throw a blanket over the modem. You know, this is, this is my childhood. I swear, I swear shit, you know, this is terrible. I had the big old modem, right. And it would, and it would make that sound. Right. And then I knew it would be loud. So I threw the blanket on it. So it would diminish the sound. Then the, the computer would load up. And this first thing I went to remember LimeWire. Of course, Line, the classic LimeWire. I hear they just made a comeback with NFTs or something like that. They're wild, but LimeWire came out, and then you could find so many things, right? You could Orpheus or something. There was LimeWire. Yeah. What was the other one, man? There's there's another one too. There was another one. I don't remember what it was, but uh, yeah, you could download things at that time on your computer, so you could find it and download it. And there was, in fact, porn on LimeWire, and so it was this ability all of a sudden to just get what I want when I wanted it. And that stemmed with some limitations with some because, limitations. I mean, if your parents want to use the phone that shuts that operation down, True, <laughs> it, True. you can't be downloading porn while they're on the phone with grandma. You know what I'm saying? Right. Sometimes those downloading times are crazy, right? Mm-hmm. 30 second clip, take an hour and a half to download. 
you know, so like, yeah, yeah, there was accessibility. It was a little bit more of an improvement than like, you know, a Playboy Bunny magazine. True. It was still a graft. You had to commit to the game True. Like, you had to be like, OK, cool. I'm going to get this 30 second clip. I'm going to download it. I'm going to save it mm-hmm. under like Alicia Keys, like, you know, um, a, a song title of her. So like, it just looks like music. Like, yes. Strategy to get this 30 <laughs> second clip was outrageous. Outrageous. It, it really was. To perform a little stupid dinky act that you feel horrible about afterwards. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so it was like, it was like your curiosity. It was, it was like at, back then there was, you were better exploring the real world than you were exploring the internet because the mm-hmm. internet was just so slow. Like mm-hmm. it was the activity to get to X conclusion was way too long. Took too long. The problem is, is now that like, what are boobs thought process? It's like in three seconds, I can fix that. Yeah. As fast as you could type that as fast as you can think of it and type it. I got you an answer. Um, and that's scary. That is super scary. And that's why, um, there needs to be more of a conversation about it, obviously. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, even at that time too, at my age, I wasn't even really doing anything about it. It was just a visualization of it all. I just was just as urged to see it all. And so sometimes I wasn't even really, you know, doing the deed, if you will. It was just simply, oh, I can have the ability to watch this. So here it is. Uh, and I remember, you know, even gathering with like sleepovers and they'd be like, oh, like, should we, should we, should we turn on the computer? Like it was this, this weird thing and nothing would ever actually come of it. It was just, this is what was happening. It was just a visualization of the experience. And again, no education. And right as soon as it was possible, as soon as it was found, it was deep discipline. It was you're grounded. It was no computer whatsoever. It was, um, there was just no conversation. It was just no no, no, and more no to anything that has to do with this at all. And the only conversation that we get at that time, and I think it's kind of evolved, uh, but the only conversation you get is if you're going to do it, once you get to a certain age, if you're going to do it, just make sure you're aware of protection. And then that's where it ends. And it's leaves you empty. You're talking about actually having sex or are you talking about? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, getting to that point where then yeah, you're yeah, beyond yeah. this, right? So there's still no, edu- there's still no education. Which is what no sex ed is ultimately. Right. It's just wear protection. Here's how to put on protection. Let's prevent you from having a child at 15. And it's, I hear you. That is accurate. And like, what else? Like, we all know porn exists. Why are you not talking about it? You know, it's on your computer. You know, you can have access to a teacher. Like, especially if it's a male teacher, male teacher, you know, you're watching it. Like, let's not lie here. And so let's be real with this conversation. And I think that that's um, unfortunate that we're not, because I know for me, even just having this conversation, it's a tough one, but it's required me in my own personal space leading up to this to really indulge into what is happening there and the impact of that. And if you look along a lot of men's spaces, I think we're finally getting to a point where we're like, we need to figure this out because this space, this porn industry is not supporting us at all. It's doing way more harm than it is help. Mm -hmm. So let's kind of dive into that a little bit. Like, what do you know to be true about your personal experience in this, in this subject matter? Um, where do you know that? Yes, these were problems for me. These are, these were thought processes I had to navigate. Like what from your story, from your, from your life, from your journey, do you know to be true about Mm. this space? Well, uh, sexual urges or porn? Both. both. Whatever aligns with you from this, like from your experience, your journey, what do you look at in this topic and go, 
that I know to be true. Mm. This is something I've definitely struggled with. This is something I definitely thought about. These are thought processes I've navigated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I've had a lot of conversations. Thankfully, I have a partner who's very open to understanding the experiences that I go through as a man, just in general. So we've talked a ton about this and that came from my experience in, I think it was 2020 of really diving into masculinity and what it meant to be a man. And I started to recognize that whenever I had an impulse of horniness, the desire, the urge, whatever, and I was alone, let's say, then I would feel the need and the necessity to complete the task. I would feel the need and the necessity. It wasn't like, um, you know, I could do that or not do it. No, it was just do it. And it was either, um, I was in a rush, I'd get done really quickly, or it was a uh, throw on the, the laptop or the phone or whatever, um, and find something to visually watch, find something that was outside of myself, some sort of stimulus. Cause I felt like that was necessary. Now, what I know to be true is that desire for stimulus was birthed as a child, not as a child. Sorry, was birthed as a young boy because it was, I had access to that information at that time. I had access to that visual stimulus. And so then, like I said, it was disciplined and said no to aggressively without education. So I saw, I seeked it out even more. And that was before I was in this space of having, you know, actual any sexual, sexual encounters. So I was just seeking out the visualization process as soon as I possibly could. And I don't know really what birthed that to be quite honest with you, I don't know what thought or experience I would have had where I was drawn towards, yes, go watch porn. Yes, go watch porn. Like it was just, I don't know the origination of that. So I can't speak to what could be true around that. All I know is, you know, that eight, nine-year-old, are you, how old are you? What grade are you in that? The grade three? grade two, something like that young. Right. And I can relate. I think, to be honest with you, I think I can relate. I think that's, that's the age generally, I think that I started seeking out this visual stimulus and, you know, now it's now I'm 30 years old. So that's 21 years, not at least 20 that I have sought out this visual experience of watching some sort of porn or uh, body or whatever to complete the task. And what I know to be true, one thing we'll get into later in this conversation is that I was addicted to it 100%. And I don't know how you consider yourself not to be when you've been watching it for 20 years or 30 or 40. And I don't know how you can rightfully say, no, I don't, I don't really need it, except it's been 40 years there might be something more there. Right. And so that's something I had to face something I had to take radical responsibility for is shit. I'm addicted to porn. And as I owned that, it obviously felt better. I was less rejecting my own experience and rejecting the truth. And then I realized after learning some things through the man space is that, Oh, wow. Like uh, the majority of men are like the mass majority of men are actually addicted to porn. And they just are not willing to face it because again, porn is something that you pretend you don't watch or you taboo it or you hide it or you, it's it's not around, you know, delete your history kind of idea. So it's owning the truth of my experience, which was that I was addicted to porn. And then from there I had to face, okay, what's your next step? What are you going to do about that? And I said, okay, you know, I'm not going to watch anything at all. 
I'm just going to, I'm going to white knuckle it and say, no, no way. If I'm, if I'm going to do the deed and I'm willing to do the deed, I'm doing the deed without any visual stimulus, without anything externally outside of myself. The only thing I could use is my own brain. And then I did that for a while, but man, let me tell you, you know, you're addicted when you start to make that change and you almost say, I'm not going to do it because I don't have the external stimulus. And that was the truth of my experience is that I was almost in that space where you just don't bother. What's the, what's the point? And it's, that's the problem, isn't it? Is, is that's where I really, really, really realized that there's a huge problem here. This is not, this is not okay. Mm-hmm. This is not okay. It's like a cigarette. Like I just, I need it in that moment. And if I can't have it, then I want to know what to do with myself. Mm-hmm. And it's that, it's that urge, right? It's that desire. And I don't know really the, the chemical process yet of what is happening, but what I know is that it did not help watching so many years of porn. It did not help me. It did so much more harm. And, you know, truth be told, I'm still navigating that today. This is hard. I, I definitely noticed that it is a hard experience because again, it's 20 years of visual stimulus on my phone, always access. And now the access is even, even easier. So it's getting beyond that takes, I think takes years and a lot, a lot of fucking grace. I mean, that's a powerful share to be honest. I mean, it sounds like you're kind of owning your truth in this moment as well. And just kind of, you know, starting to really own your truth and own your journey and own your, and own your process. And like you said, I think that a lot of people fall in this camp. You know, I think a lot of people hide this idea that, um, like you said, it's been 20 years of, you know, seeking out the same sort of information, you know, mm-hmm. um, the craziest part about it is like, you know, what other addictions can you point to in this world outside of maybe sugar and porn? And even sugar, you gotta you gotta go out and get, you know, the accessibility of this addiction. There is no barrier to entry, unless your Wi-Fi goes down. There is, and <laughs> every other very highly dangerous addiction, you gotta go out and do something. Go buy that thing. You gotta go know the people. Mm-hmm. If it's heroin, if it's if it's cocaine, whatever it is, you gotta physically get money. Go physically somewhere, buy it, whatever. You know, there could be times where the environment itself says no to you. This is a this is a this is a problem that the accessibility there is no the the resistance to fight the urge is even so much greater. If you want a burger and pizza, you gotta go get the burger and pizza. Mm-hmm. You want even sugar. If you want like an ice cream thing, you got if you have to have it present. If it's not available, it's not available. You can't do anything about it. There is nothing like now, not in our world now, because you have a phone, no. you have a laptop and yep. You, it's on you the thing <laughs> like, you yeah I mean? you, don't, you don't even need uh your home wi-fi you know like i was thinking about it oh you got to go buy the burger and fries which means you need the money you don't even need the damn money necessarily you just got to buy the phone and then honestly this is terrible to say but you can just walk into a starbucks and use starbucks wi-fi like it, yeah. the, the, it's literally impossible to to avoid it's, it's always there just throw on your phone turn it on boom and so that willpower needs to become so much more stronger you know, mm-hmm. you need a different level of willpower 
because yep. it's 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 you don't even have the like the grace of the environment saying no to you f- for the one day you know mm-hmm. hey this addiction we can't give it to you today because the stores are closed it mm-hmm. was it was x holiday you didn't factor that into your decision making yep. now that that because you build willpower through that experience right the world said no to you therefore you have to suffer within that urge that day you have to go to bed knowing that you had an urge and you have to deal with it which gives you more power the next day like ah yesterday i wanted to do and i didn't do it but it wasn't you that said no. It was the environment that said no. Mm-hmm. This is different. This is always you that says no because mm-hmm. it will never say no to you. So right. you need to understand the pull there, right? And and the the person that you need to become to say no to that. Now, mm-hmm. I'll go into a little bit about you know my journey and my experience, just so that you know we kind of keep this in the same ballpark and then we can yes, kind of go please. into um, you know how we feel about it and what we want to do about it moving forward. But um, I was a little bit different. I was a little bit of an, you know, uh, a different kid. Um, I know that remember, I remember we, we talked about, you know, you, you're, you, you dated a lot of people when you were younger as well too, right? You got into, you had a lot more relationships. I was yeah. kind of a little bit like isolated, like as a kid. So, um, which could have contributed to the problem um, mm. or, you know, could have, I didn't really, I didn't have that much of a curiosity. Like these were all seeds that were kind of planted in my mind because of the environment I grew up in. It was very much out of sight, out of mind. I didn't have a natural curiosity for it. Mm. And um, I even even like love and affection in my household was very kind of quiet. Like I never saw my parents kiss, mm. never saw like the cuddling stuff. Like there was never a curiosity that was strong enough for me to, it's just as I got out into the world, I would meet other kids and it's, they would start planting seeds and then it would create curiosity for me. Mm. Um, but even then I thought that the work to go put in to the thing was just too much. And I didn't want to, and I had a lot of other things I was kind of focused on at the time sports. Like I was a late bloomer to the game. Let's call it that. Mm. But when I entered the game and when I, you know, that curiosity finally got some wind and I had tried it and I had experienced it, it was like, like an immediate, like, Whoa, we gotta keep, like, we gotta keep doing that. That's cool. <laughs> That's kind of like, you know, and then it kicks in. You know, then you start to like really like, you know, start to like plan around it, like how you're going to do it and how you're, you know, you start to like overcomplicate so it. You start to over, you know, it starts to consume you uh, in yeah. your thinking as a young kid. Um, and because at a young age for me, I wasn't really, not that I wasn't, not that I wasn't, I just, I, I felt like it was a lot harder to try to cultivate that experience I was going from through an actual physical person than it would have been to just go do it by yourself, you know? Mm. Um, and at a young age, it was like, you know, I had a lot of friends. I was like, you know, I enjoyed friendships and I didn't know how to kind of bridge the gap. Like, you know, so I had a lot of girlfriends, I had a lot of guy friends, but I never knew how to transition a friendship into something a little bit more intimate than that, like that piece of transitioning it. So it was kind of like, I felt like my cup was full. I had my guy mm. friends, I had my girlfriends. And then that little urge that I had, I exercised it in this world and mm. I didn't need to bring it into this world. Um, it was, all, the, everything was separate for me. It was like, you know, I, I figured that out over here and I can mm. continue to just be friends with these people because I don't need to exercise that urge here i have a place where i do that um but the problem with that is 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 the disconnect to the real world right is for that um that experience and so i noticed right away i'm also i've very from a young age i didn't have an addictive personality so i knew when i got it that this was kind of consuming my thinking that it was a problem Mm -hmm. um and i had to do something about it 
uh, and that I needed to, and I, and like, like yourself, I went like, you know, the white knuckling thing where you just stop cold Turkey and, uh, you know, you, you, you get pulled back into that space and, you know, you, you know, you try different ways about going about, okay, well, how can I clean this up a little bit? Maybe you take away the visuals and you try to go the whole mental thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're still pulled toward this, towards this feeling of needing to, um, complete the task. Complete I like how you task. put that complete yeah. the task, you know, cause I will feel better once I complete the task. Um, and it was scary, man. It was a, it, it was scary because you're just like, you feel like you're, you feel like a prisoner to this habit, you know? Um, and it sucks because, and in a lot of ways, you know, sometimes too, like as a, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a man, it's like, if you're not really feeling much pleasure in any other area of your life, it kind of feels like the one thing that feels good, you know, um, well it feels like the one place where it's like you, you know, you work so hard and then, you know, you, you'll, okay, whatever, this will be, you know, the ice cream for the night, or this will be the feel good moment of the night. And, you know, I always try to feel like personally, like I try to feel aligned with my actions and I've never felt aligned afterwards in the moment. Sure. Mm -hmm. The moment it feels great, but I've never afterwards have felt fantastic. And, and, and I I can't ignore that feeling like to always Mm -hmm. to have such a high and such a low. And I think that that represents the drug element of it. Right. Mm. A high matched by a low is is a is a very you don't want to play with those things that much anything that brings you up that high and brings you down that low that fast is dangerous and uh, if you're not controlled in those environments um and you're a victim to the environment then you're you're in a dangerous position you know and Mm -hmm. and so for me it was like i knew i had to do something different about that um and i knew i had to you know control that and it's been a journey throughout the whole entire you know as you as you get older you you do it and I, I'm, I'm i can proudly say there's been stretches of like three years four years five years of never even looking at it at all and in those stretches i've learned the most about myself because um what's happened in those during that time is you you rewire your brain from what you think to be something that arouses you or gets you excited or you want to think about, you know, you start to, you know, you start to clean up your mind. You start to clean up your thought processes. It, it, it allows you to kind of walk around in the world and not be so uh, tempted by everything that's moving. You know what I mean? Because if you're just at nighttime, you're watching it in the morning, you watch it and then you go out into the world. Like, what do you think you're thinking about? You know, Mm -hmm. it's not, you could be in the world. Yeah. But it's like every encounter, every, every person that you see, you're already in a wrong frame of mind with, you know, what this individual is. And then it it creates really these, you know, single-minded individuals, you know, where you're a one track mind, everything, everything that you encounter is focused on this one mission is complete the task, you know? Mm -hmm. So you engage in people like that, you go, Oh, wow. That's a really good, good looking girl or good looking woman. I'm going to go up to her. And like, you're not even interested in who she is as a person. You're not interested. You're here to complete the task, mm-hmm. you know, and then aim the things that you need to say to complete the task. And you start lying and you start fibbing, but what we don't realize is like that habit has actually been created in your bedroom by yourself. Right. It was, it was this idea that you got so addicted to completing a task that now you can't even see a human being for what they are mm-hmm. task, you know, right. Um, because I need to get the urge done. I need to get this urge done, um, you know, and, and you start to kind of now get, pull it out of your bedroom and pull it into the real world um, and, and start to, you know, what I call like create damage within the environments that you're, that you're in, you know, you're, you're always in it for one thing. You don't care about the emotional attachment to it. You don't care about 
And it's crazy because you don't need to have an emotional attachment to porn, right? It's like, I don't need to, I don't need to love you. I don't need to lie. I don't need to explore any feelings. This is a transaction. I load mm-hmm. you. I complete a task. So then what are you wiring your brain to get used to is I don't need to feel anything for this thing that's giving me pleasure. I just mm-hmm. need to get to the job done, right? So 100%. when you go into the world and that's how you feel about it, it's like, hey, I'm going to say what I need to say to you. You know, this is me browsing. I'm going to browse right. until we find the video here. Uh, and then we're going to do the task. And I don't need to be emotionally connected to the task being completed and who this individual is in front of me or what this screen is in, in front of me. Like, I don't need to be attached to this process mm-hmm. at all. You know, and I think it's getting the control of that. That's important. The, you know, getting the control of that again is what's really important. Um, I know that's yeah. a long winded answer. I've kind of gone all, uh, all over the place there, but that's kind of how it was for me. And it was, it was the commitment to myself to prove to myself that nothing controls me. Coffee doesn't mm. nothing, nothing controls me. It's not coffee, not porn, mm. not like, you know, this feeling of being victim to something. I hated that feeling sugar. Mm. Yeah, the feeling of being out of control of being like, oh, I need to eat the ice cream right now. I need caffeine to get through this day. I need to, you know, you know, complete this task. Like, I hate that feeling. I hate the feeling of something having power over me and not being able to be in control of that and not being able to be like, no, no, I choose you when I want to do you. We're mm. not going to do this. Like, we'll eat the ice cream when I want to eat the ice cream, not because you're my mind is playing games with me. And so I've been so attuned to that at a, at a younger age that it was like, pornography kind of fit into that same world for me where it was like no 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 you know Mm. you feel the addiction you feel how powerful it is you feel like you're losing control and then you like no no we're Mm. not doing this we're not doing this anymore um but it's not easy so Mm -hmm. i'm not going to sugarcoat it and say that you know some addictions are stronger to get rid of than others you know um especially when you've been doing it for such a long while especially when you started in your adolescence yeah i think you started really early i feel like it's really hard to shake um yes because you're, you, you've kind of already wired your young brain with it, where like any addiction I would start now, there's been so many years of me not doing something that like yeah. this one experience would be able to be like, ah, that's not for me, buddy. You know, but when your brain's been wired through like your whole- That long. That long, it's harder and harder to do. Yeah, 100%. And you know, this this idea of porn, I like what you were saying there is that one thing that comes up for me is this idea as men, and this might trigger a few of you who are listening is that, uh, you know, we have this idea that because we have access to porn, um, that we can get this experience whenever we want. Right? This, this, this idea of sex and completing the task we can just get because well, I don't understand you're telling me I can do it on my laptop, but I you're trying to tell me I can't get it outside of the laptop. That's bullshit. Exactly. The, 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 the contrast too of how, how, re- how much rejection goes on in the real world, right? Like getting a girl's attention is way harder than mm-hmm. loading a computer screen. Right. Right. So the willpower is even crazier because it's like one is so easy and one is so hard. Mm-hmm. And so as human beings, what do we always want to go for? The easy. And so then if you're, if you're taking the easy route and you're always saying, okay, I have access, I have access, I have access, uh, then you're training your brain to think you have access outside of that experience. You're training your brain to think that then you can just have it at all times. And a great representation of this is in relationships when a man wants to have sex, right? In relationships, I think it's 
pretty generalized and, and very easy to say that the man is the one who controls the sexual experience. He says no, or he says, yes, he's the one because he's the one with a dick. And so a lot of times that's generally how it works. And I face that with my relationship. I face that, that understanding and that experience of wanting to have sex and being rejected. Now, what happens, what happened with me at least, but I think what happens in a general sense is all of a sudden you're like, what? Like there's a frustration there. There's an irritation there. There's an annoyance there. You're like, I don't understand. I'm horny. Let's do this. Like it's as if I'm the dominant factor in this experience and that your, your urge either present or unpresent is irrelevant. I just get what I want. And that's a representation of the porn industry influencing my mindset. And we've had to have conversations around that, not because they've caused fights, but because of the, the disconnect that comes from those experiences of just having a conversation around how do we navigate the spaces when we're not in the same uh, environment, same, um, not in the same environment, same mental space, same mental capacity. And this is the idea of getting what we want. I notice that I just want to fulfill the task. I want to get this done now. And that is, I think, in a lot of, a lot of ways, will speak to the men in this world that go out into the world and get frustrated and act incredibly disrespectfully and inappropriately and backlash and um, demoralize and degrade if they don't get what they want because they've been trained to believe that they can't. We've been trained to believe that we can. And that's not just the porn industry. This is what the conversation I wanted to include was that's the generational patriarchy at play. You know, look at all of the movies. Look, look at Mad Men, for example. If you watch the show Mad Men, it is literally a depiction of the way old ways were and the way in which men operated. And it is, from what I understand, to be truth. This is how men acted in the past. And it was perfectly acceptable and socially right for this to happen. This, 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 this intense, I get what I want and I, I say what I want and I degrade how I want and X, Y, Z. And, you know, I, I didn't notice for a long time that I was very resistant to that, narr that narrative. I said, I don't know what you're talking about. We don't do that. I didn't do that. That wasn't my upbringing. I never said those things. I did. And I still felt those same frustrations. And I still felt, the, felt that same anger and annoyance and saying, well, I don't understand how you could reject me. Like I still, I still had that in a childhood and, and, it took me so long to own that. So for all the men listening, I understand that this is probably pointing at something you don't want to face. And I get, I get why I get why, uh, because it sucks. And again, it's back to that conversation of not all men. It's like, I'm not part of this crew. I never did those things. It's like, it doesn't matter though. Part of you probably did. And it's still not the conversation we're trying to have here. The general, the general man does do these things and still does today. Like Mad Men is not a far stretch from our current society. It's just quieter. It's just not on TV anymore because you can't post something like that anymore because it's unacceptable. But it doesn't mean it's not happening in especially places like restaurants, for example. You know, it's, it's fully women staffed. So what do you think men are there to do? A lot of times look at the women, not have dinner, to look at the women. So there is an outright opportunity for a man to fulfill his desire of getting what he wants. It's just, it's always there. And I just, I, I don't really know necessarily the answer, but I know that it can start with trying to eradicate for the most part, how often you watch porn. Something that I did want to mention too, is I don't think either of us are really saying like, don't do the deed. You know, we're not saying don't do the deed. We're not saying don't ever watch porn, right? Like it's, there's nothing necessarily wrong. It's, it's always about how you navigate it within your own space. And it's like, 
it's like when someone says, don't eat sugar. Well, I'm going to eat sugar. I'm having chocolate tonight, but I'm not going to have chocolate for seven days straight. I'm not going to have chocolate all damn day long. You know, like, like what's your, what's the premise of, of what you're doing? Is it a reliance or is it something that just enhances this one experience? Like what, 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 what are we using it for? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think that, you know, I, I err on the side of uh, the, on the side of, I don't really think that the, like, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. I'm just not, I'm, overall, I don't think that there's very many good or like, you know, I think that there's more problems that can come from it than, than, than good things. So anytime I, I kind of, I live in a place where like I'm on the fence about something and there's more problems that could arise than there is mm. good things. And I think that it's like, it's a weeding out process of like, how can I eliminate this from my life? You know what I mean? Mm. How can I get rid of this from my life? And unfortunately there's like, there's two different people I play here, right? There's, I, let's call it three different people. Cause there's people who are in relationships who are still seeking out porn, right? Mm -hmm which is like you're in a relationship, the, the urge, there's a place to deal with the urge. You're choosing mm -hmm. to go deal with it in this capacity. Mm -hmm. um, there's the, the single guy, right? That's a completely different ball game. You have an urge, you got nowhere to put it. So you're gonna just look at the cards that are available and pick, right? And then there's um, the people who are in relationships who don't even need that anymore, right? They're, they're fulfilled, they're, they know where their urges are, they know where to exercise that urge and there is no alternative urge for a digital world, you know, and that's, mm. um, but along that process, right. It's so, it's so easy for somebody who's in a relationship to be like, yeah, man, porn horrible for you. Like you shouldn't even do that, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's great, buddy. You got your urges. You're, you're taking care of them in a different capacity. That doesn't really resonate with the person who's single. Mm. Right. They're like, how do I deal with mine? Right. Mm. So I think that, you know, anytime, I just think that, um, I err on the side of like, it's a weeding out process. It's an experience. It's a journey. Um, and if mm. you like, like anything in life, there's people who go out and have a glass of wine and it does nothing. There's people who go out and glass, have a glass of wine and it ruins their life because mm. it's the spiral of it. Mm. Right? Cause they're addicted versus someone who is just having a casual glass of wine. Right. right. Like any substance, I think that you need to understand where you're at with the continuum. Um, and it, I do think that sometimes I have heard of like porn being educated in a way that like, it's okay, it's totally fine. And I don't align with that rhetoric mm. at all. Like the advertising of it, like there, there's, there's a normalization of it. I think that's happened. Like I've heard like people trying to normalize, you know, the porn industry and whatever. And I mm. think that the, the, the collateral damage of it isn't really, isn't really worth it. Um, well, I'll take a stab at this. I think that that's what I've understood about the experience is that, you know, you have your, I'm going to call them your harsher sites, your harsher accesses, right? Like, um, you know, I think the, the one that came out a long time ago was like you porn, you jizz. I don't know what all of the, the ones are, but, um, look, evidently those are the ones that I've seeked out in my life. Those are the only two that I know. Um, and then there's another one that's called Belisa and that one is made by women and it is, it is real life sex essentially it's it's real bodies it's real experiences it's not the fake you know i'm hard for three hours and you know i you know spray i, I come everywhere and all this like it's it's and it's also not the abusive side where you know a lot of the women on these sites are being abused they are being coerced and forced into these situations a lot of them are underage like it is it is an incredibly incredibly terrible industry and at the same time i think the normalization process is um, saying, I don't think it's necessarily bad to be watching sex. 
I think what's bad about it is what it's teaching you about how sex works and how sex operates and what's okay and not okay. And, you know, if you really watch a lot of the porn industry, what we're really being shown is that men control the entire experience. They get what they want the entire time. They control the entire time. They last the, like ridiculously long, like the F off. That's not real. Um, and they're teaching us that men are in power. It's really just another power game. And that's, so that's the problem. That is why porn is terrible. And then if you take it into the other side, if we had been introduced to this concept of Belisa a long, long time ago, we would understand that not a lot of people, if any, really look like what the porn industry is representing. No one fucking mm-hmm. looks like that. No one, no one is really, really having sex like that because it's not what happens. And sure, yeah, like, a, you know, it gives you something to aspire to, but you're not going out and doing that in your household. You're not. Mm-hmm. It's just the truth of it. So you think that this extremist version of it is really what it's going to be. And that's what I thought too. That's really what I thought. Um, and Belisa gives you an opportunity to see what really is sex at maybe an introductory level, um, or it gives you the opportunity to have this visual satisfaction that maybe you need that is healthier. And I'm not going to say it's perfect or right. It's just healthier. Mm-hmm. It's a healthier version of it that is real and is a little bit more raw um, and less staged and coerced. And you know, one of the biggest things that porn misses is intimacy. It misses intimacy. There is none. It's just get the deed done and do it fucking wildly. And that's not really what we should be teaching. Truthfully, at least from my experience, I don't think that's what we should be teaching. here's Here's a great representation of this high low that you're talking about. I think we've been taught and conditioned to believe that when we have sex, the man will have sex, the man will come, and then the man will be tired and it's all over, right? Man, Men get tired after sex. That's a general narrative. And I think that everyone listening can, can say that to be true. But here is where I think is the problem. I don't actually think personally that it's just biologically speaking, you get tired. It's just what happens. It's your, your problem to deal with, figure it out, whoever, whatever's happening after it's, you know, it's just what happens. And I don't know if necessarily everybody's agreeing, but this is, this is the narrative I've been taught. And I think I've seen a lot in sexual and um, educational pieces, but here's the problem. I think it's, we're getting tired because it's just a fucking another to-do list in our day. It's just complete the task and then be done with it. And anything that's just complete the task has no fulfillment to it. There is no joy. There is no connection. There is no intimacy. There is no opportunity to like feel the love possible in that experience. So no shit, you're tired. And I, I know this to be true about myself. I've obviously had sex for many years now. And I've always after like, I'm sleeping, I'm, I'm out. Goodbye. I have low energy. And it's because it's, it's a, when it becomes a to do and not an intimate connection with yourself or with your partner, then there is no fulfillment. And yes, you will be incredibly tired because you just gave your energy to something that doesn't serve you. So even if you think you're fulfilling this desire with your partner, really what all you're doing is you're fulfilling your own goddamn horny urges. That's all you're fulfilling in that moment. Yes, you're tired. No shit. Anything you do that doesn't that you don't actually probably want to do, you just want to get over and done with. Expect yourself to be high energy after that. It's damn impossible. But reframe the process. Walk into that experience, actually having some sort of focus on. Okay, 
you know, I'm going to focus on her today, or I'm going to make sure that I am being here with her and whatever happens, happens, not, oh, I got, you know, I got to make sure that I don't, it doesn't happen too fast. And, oh, like, I got to make sure that I'm doing everything right. And, um, oh, like, I'm just here to just get this done. All of those energetic experiences are blocking our ability to actually have uh, a deep, intimate connection or any sort of connection with our partner during sex. And if you focused on trying to connect with your partner, I guarantee you will not be tired after. I know from experience, you will not be tired after. You will be actually filled with more energy, even though you've just excreted energy, literally. You will still be filled with energy. And I know that to be true because I've tried it myself and I've tried to focus on it myself and it changes everything. But it's because I was always so focused on it being just a to-do, just fulfilling the fucking task. And that's my rant on sex. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, where'd you learn that, Belisa or whatever? What's that? What's that offsite that you're talking Belisa, about? Belisa, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, yeah. never heard of that. I, uh, that's a that's a that's an interesting share. I think one thing that I wanted to kind of add to that that tired feeling too is, um, I think I think that uh, something that I I kind of realized was that when you have been a person who has seeked out, let's say, the porn industry or masturbation. And you do the deed and you go to sleep right after biologically, your body gets used to that feeling. <laughs> also fair so, too. Ex- like, you know what I mean? If like every time you do X, Y happens right after, you know, it doesn't change when you change the scene, it becomes a person versus a screen. It's like you physically, your body is like, we do this. And then this happens right after mm-hmm. we go to sleep. <laughs> um, so you're so biologically connected to that, that feeling that you're just like, Oh, this is why I'm always so tired. Like I'm always so, cause this, I, I always jerk off and go straight to bed or, you know, whatever your, mm-hmm. whatever your routine is. So I feel like that contributes to it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's actually such a good point too. Is, you know, I think that there's this narrative that runs that says, if you're, if you can't sleep, then do the deed and then you'll be able to sleep. And there it is right there. Just do the deed to get to sleep. Like, what is this, this motto? Is this, this catchphrase that someone tossed out there at some point that says, this is how, this is how uh, masturbation works. Mm -hmm. Do the deed and go to sleep. Like I get, it's a tool in that moment, maybe, but what are you, like you said, what are you teaching yourself in that moment? Listen, I I cannot speak to anybody in saying that that, that's wrong um, because I have done that my whole life. Do the deed and go to sleep. For sure. I've done that. That, that's like a pure key way to like you're Deep out sleep, rest, like, <laughs> like all pure relaxation. It reduces the rigidity feeling. Right. But I think that's, that again, like you said, like that's, that's a bit of part of the problem um, is that we're utilizing it in um, I I'll use the word the wrong ways, but we're just utilizing it in maybe health ways that aren't helping us. They're not supporting our, our development, our life, our freedom, our peace, our joy. Like they're not helping those, those uh, experiences. Mm-hmm. One thing I will say about, you know, this whole entire topic and just life in general, one thing that I I can appreciate about life, um, especially nowadays, is that because we have so much information, we're being forced to become the people that we want to be. You know, because, you know, going back on thinking about like, you know, gun to my head, if someone was like, Anwar, gun to your head, get rid of porn or leave it, I'd probably say get rid of it. Because Mm. personally, I think that there's more problems that can come from it than not. Mm -hmm. So gun to my head right now, I have a choice let's get rid of it. And let's let the, like, let's let human beings teach each other about this, this industry, or yeah. like, you know, let's just have conversations around it. I would, pre- I would, I would value that more gun to my head. I, I, also, ki- I also kind of, I also kind of don't mind that it's here because 
you deal with the temptation. You gotta, you gotta learn your relationship with everything. You gotta learn, like, yes, you have the accessibility. Who are you gonna become? Mm. It's there. It's right there. Because you know, when you end up putting it down, when you end up, you know, you know, choosing intimacy, choosing being connected with yourself personally, choosing a, a harder path for yourself. Anytime in life, when you're given, like, you know, how do you become someone when you've always, if, if there's always just hard and there's no easy. I think that it kind of defeats the purpose of who you're becoming. Mm. It's the choice of not picking something easy that creates the character, mm -hmm. right? So I think that like when you take away certain things in life, it actually kind of, uh, the storyline is actually the fact that you're battling between two places and mm. your character development is your push forward versus your step back, you know? So in life, we're just getting so much more information and we're being um, challenged with having a face yourself a little bit more aggressively, having to watch your behavior, watch the way you speak, watch the way you act, and actually, you know, become somebody, you know, versus the prescribed version of life before where it was just like, oh, I just don't know any better. I just don't know anything. So I'm kind of just moving through it, you know, versus I actively have chosen to go away from that, you know, mm -hmm. and I think that that's a lot more empowering. I think it's a, it creates a, a, a more educated society and it creates a more but that doesn't defeat the purpose of this one size fits all advice strategy, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Hey, buddy, porn isn't that bad for you. Jerking off is not that bad. I'm like, huh, who are you talking to? Is this person addicted? Because if they're addicted, it's horrible. Um, and if they're kind of controlling their whatever, then it, it you no know, could be not that bad for you, depending on exactly what you said, what you're watching, and is it fueling your um, your toxic masculinity or all of those mm -hmm. kind of traits, you know, you need to understand how it's rewiring your brain. Cause at the end of the day, it is a dopamine release and probably mm -hmm. some of the strongest for just an everyday human being, mm -hmm. you know, like if you're just, you know, the dopamine rush that you get from scrolling on your phone versus, you know, doing the deed are completely different, mm -hmm. but they're both levels of dopamine apparently. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so understanding the different levels of dopamine and, you know, how much is being released at what time and how much you're, it's changing your, the way you think and the, what you do and how you plan your day. And um, one thing that I will share too here uh, is, is the, 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 where social media plays a role, you know? Mm, yes. There's one thing to be, you know, cool on, you know, on Pornhub, like, you know, and you're like, you're kind of looking over your shoulder, you're sketching out, you're like, who's going to see me, blah, 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 blah. And there's a, there's a bit of like a, like a um, incognito vibe to, you know, going on a porn site, but scrolling through Instagram and scrolling through social media has zero incognito vibes, but has still a lot of the same temptation flowing around. Like, it's still wiring your brain in a, in a, in a way that is so sexually driven. It's like, it's imagine if you were on a diet and every time you came home, there was just burgers and pizzas and fries around all the time, having to deal with the temptation all mm, the time, mm. every single time you scroll, every single time you load up your phone. And there's two ways to view this, right? On one way we were talking about earlier, women are, women are, being they're liberate they're they are living their best life as they should they are mm -hmm. in a period of their time where they have been like oppressed for so long no voice you have to do this you have to do that and mm -hmm. they're exploring their liberation which is has been incredible to watch just people own their truth and be themselves and that has also come from just like being able to wear what they want and feel comfortable in their own skin and all of that the other side of that is you know men need to learn how to we need to know how to control our shit like what are what are we that that's that's totally fine like we're i don't want that to stop the the liberation let's let's go for it but the mm -hmm. reality is is that like if you 
like wh- so what are the choices that we have here they put their clothes on or or you or you control yourself Let, right ladder we're always gonna pick the control what you can control you know we're not trying to change how other people are living their lives based on mm-hmm. your inability to control yourself right, right. so I think when you're scrolling to social media and you're like, oh, my God, like, you know, here's, you know, this attractive girl who's maybe not wearing that much, but she feels sexy in those clothing. It's like you need to learn how to deal with that transaction of what you're seeing, Mm -hmm. how you're feeling. And because it's not going anywhere and the the reality of you thinking that, you know, you are so superior that they should put on clothes to control your temptation is a very self-righteous energy. You know what I mean? 100%. It speaks exactly to what we addressed earlier is the patriarchy and the misogynistic behavior that we fall under. Just again, this idea of we get what we want, do do what I say, because I'm a man. And this is why you just brought it up. The, the most important point is the liberation of women. Are, they're, they're embracing their authenticity. They're br- embracing their truth without the control and the power narrative that we present here as men. And, you know, part of that process is going to be that some men are going to counter that argument and say no. And there are other men who will then abuse the fact that there's that liberation happening by, you know, doing some pretty obscene things to that experience. And all of it comes down to, at the end of the day, can we control ourselves? Can we control ourselves? It has nothing to do with the other side. It has only everything to do with ourselves. And there are men out there saying, well, you know, I couldn't, how can I help it? Like, look what she's wearing. And it's, it's that, do you hear it? It's very easy to hear. Control your shit. That's the only narrative that comes out of that. And, you know, I, this is the sexual impulse. And this is the beginning of the conversation we said that we were having today um, about speaking with our dick. This is, that's just what we do so often is we just speak with our dick. And where does that get us? The only thing that gets us is... It, it reinforces the thought that we have power over the world as a man. It's the only thing that that, that that really does. It reinforces that you have power. And where does that get you? Well, no, I, to, to be honest with you, I think the only thing that it gets you is the fulfillment of your ego. That's it. It might get you things, sure, yes, but it doesn't actually help you at all, this idea of you have power over and again, back to we get everything we want as men. Um, is narrative is so true, and it's unfortunate. Um, sometimes I think that uh, one thing that we will never be able to understand is a woman's perspective. No matter how hard we try, it's not possible. Um, we won't be able to fully see through their lens and understand that they're they're seeing things and feeling things differently from just our presence. You said this, I think, in the podcast recently of you know, when you're walking um, behind a woman, know how they're feeling. Like, you're like, oh, I'm not one of those men, but it doesn't matter, right? Like, it's again, it's this, there's this power narrative that plays that influences everything. And in this space, um, it is what are we doing with ourselves in the face of women's liberation? I wanted to ask you a follow up question there because I know there's probably a lot of listeners trying to unpackage what you mean by men get everything that they want because there's mm. probably a man out there that's like, what are you talking about? If I got everything that I want, I'd be a lot happier. Um, mm-hmm. What do you mean when you say that? I think that um, uh, generationally speaking, um, if a man wants something, he will get it. Um, and that is definitely specifically in the realm of a sexual interaction. That's how I'm going to, I'm going to keep that container in this specific conversation for a moment. Um, if a man wants something sexual, he gets it. And if he doesn't get it and there's a rejection, he finds a way to get it anyway. 
And that's a huge narrative. The numbers of how many men have gone through that process of being told no and doing it anyway, the process of how many, how many uh, sexually abused women out there, because man gets told no and says too bad, I get it anyway, is astro fucking nomical. I think I, I think I think I hear that. I think I hear the difference. The word placement is a little. Men can get everything that they want. Is that is that more what you're trying to say? Like because if you get a no, you can force yourself through the process, and that's like it's the can. Men get everything they want. Sounds like the universe hands them what they want. There's a I bit think, more. Of the, I think society to, does. I think in relation to the opposite side, I think I think men do. I think you walk into any really experience right now, still um, a job, um, a business, a transaction, uh, anything, who's getting said yes to faster. I, I still believe it's men. I still believe it's men still get it over women. I still believe that that narrative is heavy in this world. And so for me, getting whatever, what they want is um, there's, yeah, they can, if, if, if that's that, that language still works. Um, and I think that that also speaks to what I'm saying here is that there's a high level of manipulation that comes from men being told no, or just saying they want something. Uh, they, we, as, as, as a gender um, have a habit of coercing, manipulating, uh, acting narcissistically to get what we want. And a huge component of that, that I've been witness to is anger. You know, the, mm-hmm. the world fears men's anger. So as soon as a man gets angry, okay, here you go, whatever you want, because there's a fear there, there's a fear of men's anger. So here it is, what, whatever you needed, here it is. That so is, yes, this, the this narrative is, can be men can get whatever they want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is an interesting conversation and we probably, probably could unpack it, but I, I would, I would, it's very interesting because you use an example of jobs, uh, you know, and sure, I would agree. Maybe there is more opportunities for men than women still. We're working on figuring that out and we're, 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 traject- we're, we're in line to do, you know, we're in the right trajectory to, you know, start to fix some of those narratives, same with diversity and all of those kind of things. Sure. I think that because men are so used to getting what they want in that world, I think sex is the one area where it's actually the opposite. I think women have the lead in sex. Women can go out and get more sex than men mm-hmm. can go out and get more sex, which is where I think the actual problem lies is that I've been able to get pretty much everything that I want everywhere else. Mm. This is the area in life where I have to ask for permission and I have mm. to, there's a, there's a big barrier and you're in so much more control than I am. Therefore, trigger lack of anger control, trigger lack of sexual urge control, trigger, which it actually exposes the men's real weaknesses, because now we're in a place where, holy shit, this is a space where you have all the power. And Mm -hmm. it frustrates the shit out of me. So I have to now act in a way that's different. So I actually think (laughs) that like, it doesn't really work in the world of I think if, if men got everything they wanted in the sexual world, we probably have a lot less problems, but we're seeking out different answers, porn, aggression, Mm-hmm. Like when we get a no from this space, it's, it's, and you know, if you actually even look at back in history and stuff like that too, it's like the one area where women had a lot more influence was sex. Look at all these different shows, look at game of Thrones, right? When a woman is trying to show her power, what, what Avenue did she take? Was it a conversation at the dinner table or was it, we're in the sheets. You're in a very weak position. I have all this power. Now I'm going to tell you what I need you to know so that I could get to the next level like women were leveraging sex as a way to kind of navigate through this. Like, you know, this is the weak, this is the Achilles heel of men. Let's like use this space because we have the power here where they have the power everywhere else. 
right? So we're going to use our power to kind of get through this navigation. So in my brain, actually, I don't see men being very powerful when it comes to like the actual, I think, and if it does, it's a forceful space. Like it's ugly with the rejection. But then that's the power. Right. And that's, and that, so that's and, where the can comes into place for me. Right. Men yeah. can get anything that they want. In sex yes. If yes. they want to push past the barrier in a, in a, in a, in a very, un- but men get everything that they want in the sex space. Doesn't really land for me. Cause I don't think they do. Uh, I don't think they get everything that they want. I think they can. And I don't think you should explore a no should be a no. Um, but I, I hear do, you. I do. Yeah, think I, that, I do think that women have a little bit more of an edge when it comes to, um, having that urge and being able to do something about it in a, in a nice way. Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree. And I think that that speaks to the idea that there's obviously not one answer to everything, right? There's always a subtopic on subtopic and a deeper understanding of, of the general, uh, or not even general, the, the, the intricacies of each experience. Right. And I think that what I'm really speaking to is the, 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 the constant need and craving for power that men seem to have. Um, and like you said, I think you phrase it perfectly. We do get and have opportunity to get things a lot easier in most spaces. And I'll also preface too that um, I am a white man speaking this into existence right now. So therefore I am speaking from the most privileged position that the world has created. And that is also something I'm very aware of. And I understand that as I speak or I spoke in the general sense of all men, that is not true. And I retract that statement because that's not fair, um, especially diversity and racially speaking, that is not true. Um, and I know that. So I retract that. I think that I speak from a white man's experience. And I think that, you know, in a lot of cases, a lot of the challenges are coming from a white man's experience um, and their inability to re- reduce themselves away from their power that they have always had. So I do speak from that existence. And at the same time, um, what I speak to is the, I think it's like one in three women have been sexually abused. Uh, one in three. I think it might actually be a little bit higher of a ratio than that. Um, more, more frequent, I mean. So that's what I speak to is that there's this narrative that because you um, are said no to, then that's like a, some sort of instinctual pull to just go after it anyway. And that I think you gave great representation to is that men are more likely to get in, um, something in this world than women are. And so in so many areas, we have power. So we think we have power everywhere. And then you have an experience where the power is quote unquote taken away. And it's like, it's this fight for power over that I think gets us in trouble. And I think creates the men can get whatever they want. It's a fight for power. And men really struggle to relinquish that power. They really struggle to even get away from a conversation of power. Um, it's where it almost always comes down to. So we're getting a bit off topic here for sure, but I think that it does speak to the idea of um, speaking with your dick and the sexual urge that comes through into that conversation and um, some of the problems of you know previous generations giving us narratives that we're running with, porn, um, and now the current day age of, of social media and the access that everyone has, including young children um, and when they even get access to that, so... What would you, you know, as a concluding kind of thought process here, um, if someone came up to you and was struggling with their, you know, control with sexual urges and, you know, kind of, you know, navigating this space, maybe, maybe addiction, maybe it's, 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 it's friendly at this point. It's not even that bad. Um, you know, what, would, what advice would you give? What lessons have you learned from this, this space? And, you know, how do you move in the, in the world now with, you know, all of these lessons, understanding this space, obviously you're on a journey of, you know, self-discovery and self-actualization. Um, so how do you process all of this and navigate and 
what's the biggest lesson for you that you've learned from here? Mm. Well, there's a lot there. I'll start with the, uh, what would I suggest to somebody if they came to me and were struggling with their sexual impulses? I think that the first thing I would share with them is to stop demonizing themselves for having them. Stop belittling yourself for having them. Stop uh, degrading yourself, shaming yourself, neglecting these experiences. You know, out of this conversation, there's a lot that we spoke about. And I think in so many ways, we definitely came at the sexual impulse and masturbation in porn space. We, we went at it and I, that was important to do. And now I'm going to tie it for myself back into a bow and say uh, that there is so much to be experienced by embracing your own sexual liberation. And what I mean by that is understanding, owning, taking responsibility for, and then embracing this idea of your own sexual impulses and your sexuality. And I think that the, the moment you start to reject it is the moment that you really start to face your problems and is that where everything really starts to go left when you really want it to go right. And so that would be the first and foremost, most important thing is just have some grace for yourself and accept the fact that you have these and that that's okay. And that everyone does. And now we're all just trying to figure it out. We're all just walking through the goddamn dark, trying to find the light and that's okay. We're doing our best. So that would be the first thing that I would say. And then as far as my journey goes, what I have been actively trying to practice is connecting with my partner in a way that is less rigid and more, well, really sexually liberated. I find myself restraining myself in certain things. I find myself uh, focused on the task at hand instead of focused on the person in front of me. I find myself um, with urges that are away from her. And, you know, you spoke to something earlier about, you know, there's, there's three types of men. And I think that in a lot of cases, there are a lot of men in relationships that are watching porn, um, and that are doing the deed and by themselves and all that. And it's not to say that I think anything is, um, wrong with doing the deed outside of it. I do think though, that if you start to seek out external things then you'll find yourself having attraction challenges with your partner. And, you know, that's something that we didn't bring up, but, uh, seeking out that external thing outside of your relationship does cause more problems than it does cause good because, well, it's, it has, it breaks the intimacy bond. And so I think that, um, in the process of learning with my partner, how to go about this, you know, it's not easy because you do need to save space. And thankfully I have that, but that came from a ton of conversation and an entire year of relationship where we were not in a healthy, sexually liberated way. So I do think that it takes time, but for me, like I said, I'm focused on the person in front of me and not uh, completing the task. That's been a huge help for me and actually connection, connecting with her, finding actual intimacy. And where I'm at now is quite intensely through that process where we've been able to have experiences that have left me uh, feeling liberated after in a way that doesn't put me to sleep and that I'm not tired and that uh, yeah, I don't feel like I... Um, didn't enjoy myself or that there was just a task and I completed it and it's over uh, that there was more of a bond there. And so I've been grateful to have that. I still deal with my sexual desires on a daily basis. I still have the impulses, the urge is still there. Uh, horniness is obviously a part of our human experience. And so I navigate that every day. And I think that how I go about that is challenging my ability to control my nervous system on a daily basis with things like cold showers, with returning myself to my breath, with being very aware 
of why I have that feeling. And a lot of times it's, you know, it's stress, it's anxiousness that causes that, that urge to show up. And I just need that tenseness in my body to release. So over time, I've taught my body that in order to do so, then we do the deed. And that, again, it's like, what is the intention behind what you're actually doing is the question that I would start to ask. And you may not always win that battle, but at least you're asking the question and trying your best to make a different change for yourself and take ownership for your life. I thought if you tied that bow quite well. Um, <laughs> It's a nice little ribbon you got there. That's, yes, uh, I think that there's a lot of good shares there. I think that the point there on the nervous system was really, really well, well put, um, you know, that fight or flight internal battle that you go through every time you face that and, and you win that internal battle, it's, it's the, that's the urge part, right? It's the urge, yeah. like different urges come in different stages in life. And the sexual urge is just one of many urges that we have. Um, you know, the urge to not be mad, the urge to not swear, the urge to not yell, right? Like these are all things that you try to control, right? And what to speak into what you're saying, like that cold shower, what it does is there's the feeling and you got to fight it, you got to fight and find your breath, you got to find the calm within the storm. And I think anytime you engage in things like that, you know, like meditation, all of that stuff, where you're fighting your thoughts, and you're trying to control it, anytime you're in a space where you're trying to control yourself, it, it just puts you in a better place um, with controlling urges that are a little bit stronger, or have a mm -hmm. bit more of a force to them. Um, so I think that you know, you said that really, really well. Um, for me, Something I want to leave, I, I, I want to share something different because I think that your points were great and explore all those points. Let's add more points here. I think for me, from an experience that I had from getting rid of social media, um, you know, deleting social media, getting away from that, you know, during that time, obviously there wasn't, I wasn't seeking out a digital type of experience. Like I was really just living life, you know, just breathing, like talking to the barista, like talking to somebody in line, like really um, being present with the world and not the digital world. Um, and in those like, you know, two years that I was kind of off that, what I realized is um, the urges went down and it was very telling to me because you would wake up and there wouldn't be these preconceived ideas of thoughts of things that, you know, you weren't trying to think of. So, you know, obviously there's that first wind where you're, you know, still reaching for your phone and going to where the app was and being like, oh God, okay. and then it slowly just wades off. And then you start to noticing this rewiring process. And that's how I noticed that, you know, we are wiring our brains, you know, every time. And the scary part is, is that like, you know, you know, like neurons that wire together, fire together, right? So it's like, if you have this crazy dopamine rush of like pleasure and whatever, you're wiring your brain to associate those two things together, which speaks to your attraction comment, right? When arousal comes from this pixelated experience, and your brain is wired those two things together. Now, when you're in the presence of somebody who you're trying to be aroused around, it might not work out because you're so wired to viewing it and feeling one way about it. Um, mm. And so I started to feel this rewiring process and, you know, being real honest guys, like, you know, when you're on social media all the time, like, let's get, let's, like, let's not lie about it. When you go into the world, you're just looking at this and looking at that and your brain is already in this like you're just treating the real world like how you treat instagram you're just checking out all the areas all the areas you would have zoomed in on on the camera you're zooming in with your eyes in real life um and it makes you not be able to see people for what they are and their souls and who they are as a person these people people are going through things people are experiencing things and you're just viewing them from one lens right and that lens is coming from you know what we're constantly watching and so what I noticed, and I was working at a restaurant at the time, right, which was one of the coolest experiences for me because the restaurant has all these beautiful women in it. 
tons of beautiful women, tons of people that you could talk to guests, right? And it, I noticed that just, just by escaping that internet world, I was able to just like see purity in people because my mind wasn't so caught up in the idea of like, what would a sexual transaction look like here? You know, it's, hey, how are you? How's your day? What are you thinking about? What's your experience? How are you, how are you navigating? Like, what, what is your journey? You know, and what you realize is that, and for me, it wasn't like a very hard thing to do because I was already naturally that person. But by eliminating that one extra element of curiosity and just living in the, this is a soul that's in front of me. This is a mm. person. And I know that people are listening to this and I've lost a couple of you guys, but that's cool. The guys are on the road. You will see it and you'll feel it is not everybody is a sexual partner for you. Mm -hmm. Let's value relationships a bit more than that. Right. 100%. I think that one of the things that I've catered to a lot of my way of thinking and like is I've always had female relationships that I've never explored in an in intimate capacity. I just wanted to know who they were, wanted to get to know them, and I've been able to become friends. I know a lot of guys that don't have a single female friend because they only view that they only view the opposite sex as a sexual transaction. Mm. They don't have an intimate friendship with somebody that is like it's so this is a platonic friendship. This is never going to be anything outside of that. And the amount of times you have to, you know, it's not easy sometimes to just be looking at someone that you are maybe attracted to. You're like, hey, this person I'm attracted to, I'm choosing to be their friend. That could be, you know, tons of, a couple of years of willpower of being able to control that urge. But the power on the other side of that has been so liberating to me and it was just sometimes it, it was it was the re rewiring of the social media deleting all of that that allowed me to lean into it so much more and make it easier because i was like oh i'm so committed to the person i don't really care about the other you know versus entering this conversation of like you're really hot what's up you know mm -hmm. i eliminated the you're really hot what's up it was more like what's up like who are you how are you what is your day going and when you eliminate that concept for one second you start to get to learn a person and when you learn a person, it's so much more liberating. They, they mm -hmm. show you their cards. They teach right. you something. And so for me, the two things that, you know, I, 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 I would say is, you know, start the rewiring process, whether that's eliminating some of the digital world that you're watching or changing how what you're viewing and all of those things. And then couple that with valuing relationships. I think valuing, I've always valued relationships and reputation. And so causing damage to somebody or, you know, uh, moving with unintentions, with bad intentions, it was very hard for me. I never felt aligned with that. So I always mm -hmm. valued relationships. Um, but there is a difference between being like, oh, I value relationships and like, I still can't control sexual urges. You know, mm -hmm. I think that, you know, valuing relationships and that being my North star allowed me to always have like the best intentions and then giving myself a second option. I think some guys haven't considered a friendship with this person. What does a friendship with this person look like where I don't cross the bridge? And it's going to get to an intimate point where this person really likes me and I really like them. And I still have to be like, this is a friendship. You know, not everybody is a sexual partner. And when you can start seeing life that way and start putting things in buckets, then I think that you're on your way. You know, you're on your way to that control. You're on your way to that ability to be, um, 
in control of what you're doing and not just damaging everything that you come across mm. um, because you have bad intentions. So those would be my, my, my two things is, you know, value relationships and, and start the rewiring process. If you think that I'm not going to say cold Turkey, I'd love to do like cut it off cold Turkey, <laughs> but I'm going to phrase it as start the rewiring process so that you understand that you need to slowly unravel what you have created mm-hmm. and then ultimately use value in relationships as your new concept that you're going to, you know, try to, try to fulfill. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that that's, that's worked for me. Beautiful. Well said. Great share. Great share. I like the free, I like the reframe of all of that. And I think what I, I, we can leave the audience with is a question that comes out of that, which is what is the first step in your rewiring process? What does that look like? Is it one less time a week? Is it uh, one different perspective a day? One catch of the mind of going to the left of sexualization and then bringing it back and going right to, to a soul. You know, what does that rewiring process look like for you each and every day? Cause it'll be different for everyone. Everyone's at different stages. So to wrap up today's podcast, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank you for being a part of this conversation. These, these conversations are tough. They are tough. They're vulnerable. They take a lot of courage. They take a lot of bravery, but the, the, the beauty on the other side is so unparalleled and the freedom that you feel to start embracing these parts of ourselves is profound. So we hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions, you have any thoughts, we'd love to hear them and to continue the conversation. Otherwise, thank you so much. Please don't forget to download this episode, subscribe and rate. You can also rate on Spotify now. So check that out. And again, thank you so much. We appreciate you and we will see you in next week's episode. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Masculinity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and we invite you to join us next week as we put out content every single Wednesday. Our goal with this platform is to create a community to support men on their journey of becoming conscious kings. And in saying so, if you took any value out of this episode or previous episodes, please share, download, subscribe. And if you're feeling really up to it, go ahead and leave a review. You can follow us at Modern Masculinity. Remember, the K, it's with a K, not a C, to represent the mask that we wear. And like always, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.